Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Welcome as we continue the laws in the Rambam Mishnah Torah, Brochus. Hilchos Brochus, the laws of blessings. Chapter 4, Perek Rebi. Aleph, paragraph 1. <clears throat> and before I begin paragraph 1, I would like to point out that which I have pointed out many times, that, that which has been pointed out any time we learn the Rambam. That the Rambam is an amazing book because it covers, Mishnah Torah, it covers the halacha with every facet of life. It's the book that goes from beginning to end, covering everything. However, it's not the final word in halacha. Following the Rambam, there is the Tur, there is the Shulchan Aruch, Beis Yosef, the Ramod, there is the Rav Shulchan Aruch, there is the Mishnah Brura. So, we should never walk away from a Rambam class and say, oh, from now on I'm going to do this. This is not, as we say, halacha lemaaseh. This is not the law for practicality. This is knowing how the law morphs and evolves. And it's a very important component, especially when we learn about the laws such as brachas, which have very, very complex laws. One of the more famous uh, booklets, books written on halacha is Seder, Birchot HaNehenin, the blessings, the order of the blessings of pleasure, which means food and stuff like that. Written by the Alter Rebbe, which used to be included in every Chabad Siddur, until they got into the annotated Sidurim. But in the old Hebrew Sidurim, you have Seder Birchat by the Alter Rebbe, and so on and so on and so forth. Also, there are many differences between the customs and application of Halacha, of Sfardim and Ashkenazim, and obviously the Rambam was a Sfardi, and as Halacha develops, sometimes it develops his way, sometimes it doesn't. So we have to bear in mind that this is a, an academic exercise rather than a halacha lemaaseh, rather than a practical exercise. You don't walk away from a Rambam class, just as you don't walk away from a class in Rashi and say, oh, now I'm going to do, halacha has to be checked in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law. And even then, on sensitive issues, one needs to check with a contemporary halachic expert rabbi. Aleph, kol hamevarech birchas hamozein, the rule is that anybody who makes the blessing of the birchat hamazon, which we identified earlier, the grace after meals, comprised of four blessings. A, or, the same thing applies when one makes a bracha, achas, meyein sholish, what we refer to as al hamichya, or al hagefen, which is the one blessing which contains within it the gist of the three blessings, as we explained earlier. This blessing, whether it's the full, as we call it, benching, or the alamichya, or similar, must be made in the place where one eats. So it's important. You stay where you are and you do the grace after meals. Avol, however, what happens if he's eating while he's walking? 
It's not the best thing to eat when you walk. They say you get fat feet. <laughs> it's not the best thing in halakha to eat while you walk. But what if he was? What if he's with a group and they're walking? The best thing is to stop eating and then, in other words, when you're finished, you stop and you sit right there and you do the Birchat Amazon. Obviously, you can't say you should do the grace after meals where you ate because you ate over a span of several miles. But right now you're finished, take a break, sit down and do Birchat Amazon. What if he... Eight, not sitting, but standing. There's an old uh, myth. They say that whatever you eat on the run or wherever you eat standing, you, the calories don't count. It's only when you sit down that the calories count. That's why a lot of people eat when they stand. You ate while you're standing, not a good thing, but still, what if you did that? You sit down and you do the, the benching. So that's the rule. Always sit where you ate, or where you finished eating, or where you were standing and eating, and do the birchat hamazon. Now comes a practical question. What if somebody forgot to do the grace after meals? It happens. People forget. And he remembers. Before the food totally digests, the food did not digest yet. And he remembered. And there are many, many different opinions. For this halacha, mevorech b'mokem He can do the grace after meals wherever he remembered, even though he's not in the same place. Why? Because uh, he finished eating 20 minutes ago. And now it's 20 minutes later. He went from Nordstrom's to Bloomingdale's. So wherever he is now, he can sit down and do the grace after meals. That is, if it just happened, if it was an accident, if it was inadvertent. But if it was intentional, he says, nah, I don't need to bench right now. Here, halacha, so to speak, so to speak, penalizes him and has him go back to his place and do the blessing. But if he doesn't go back and he just does the grace after meals wherever he is, he fulfills his obligation. We have to remember that when somebody eats a meal and he's satiated by the meal, it's a biblical obligation to do the blessing. Similarly speaking, if he did the grace after meals, the benching while he was standing, Halacha said earlier he should sit. Or if he stood, or I think this is a mistake. Or as he's walking, he fulfills his obligation. But to begin with, he should not do the grace after meals. And not the minor grace after meals, which is the ala or the ala gefana, or the ala Only if he sits. And in the place where he ate. And once again, there are many differing opinions as to how this translates in tachlit, in practical application. (laughs) 
Just to give you a little taste, I'm going to read a note, which I, I'm, I cannot and I will not do for every halacha, but I want to just read a note here to give you an idea of what we're talking about when we say there are many different opinions. So, I'm, I'm using the Rambam here, the Moznayim Rambam, and this note is on page 70, halacha 5. On this halacha, which we learned, that he may recite the Birchat HaMazon in the place where he remembers. The Rambam's ruling differs from that of Rabbeinu Osher, the Rosh, who considers it an obligation for a person to return to the place where he ate to recite grace. The Shulchan Aruch Harav, which is Rabbi Shnei Zalman of the Adi, the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, and Mishneh Brura, which is the Chafetz Chaim, maintain that the difference of opinion between the authorities is not extreme. Although he does not require it as mandatory, even the Rambam considers it desirable for a person to return, the Shulchan Aruch Harav and the Mishneh Brura nevertheless accept the Rosh's opinion Unless returning to the place would cause a person extensive difficulty, he should return. The source for this ruling is the Talmud Brachas 53b, which relates that although base Shammai, the school of Shammai, requires one to return to one's place to recite the Birchat Amazon, Bet Hillel, the school of Hillel, does not. And the Talmud quotes the rationale of Bet Shammai. If you left a wallet on the highest floor of a building and now you're on the, on the ground floor... Would you not return for it? Of course you would. It's your wallet. If so, you should also return to the top of the building to recite the grace after meals. And the Talmud continues, relating that a student followed the ruling of Beit Shammai. When he returned to his place, he didn't have to return. He returned to his place following Beit Shammai. He found a wallet full of gold. And he had a very good day. And year. And decade. So I, I read this, which obviously is impossible to do for every halacha or every class will take hours, just to give you an idea of how many differing opinions there are in every halacha, especially when it comes to brachos. So, beis, mishin, estapik, leim, beitzi, If somebody's not sure whether he said the bracha for bread, or he didn't, you know, sometimes we're so preoccupied, we don't remember especially when you get to my age. You do not have to go and say it again. You do not have to go back and say it again. Why? And this is an important principle which we need to learn. When there is a biblical mitzvah, doubt, you always go back. When there is a rabbinic mitzvah, doubt, you don't go back. The pre Eating blessing, which Hamotzi is, the before blessing, is not a biblical obligation. It's a rabbinic obligation, as we learned. Therefore, if you're sure you didn't say it, of course you should say it. But if you're not sure, then you should not say it, because we learned earlier about the severity of reciting a blessing in vain. Because you might figure, what do I got to lose? Well, what you got to lose is reciting Hashem's name in vain. What if he did forget, and he certainly forgot to make hamotzi? If he remembered that he forgot before he finished his meal, he goes back and blesses. He's eating? You're still eating? Make a hamotzi now? 
But if he remembers after he finished, he does not go back to recite the blessing because once he's completed the eating, the opportunity to recite the blessing has passed. And others bring down that why not make the blessing and eat a little more? What if somebody's eating in this house? And he stops his meal. He went to another house. Or he was in the middle of eating. His friend knocks on his door, calls him out to speak to him. And he went outside. And then he came back in both these instances. Being that he changed his place. Changing the place of the meal. So he has to recite the after-blessing for the food he ate. But why is he reciting the after-blessing? He wants to keep eating. You have to recite the after-blessing because you terminated that eating session, that meal. Then he goes and starts all over and does the hamotzi, and then he should finish his meal. And again, there are many different opinions. It's not so simple. The best thing is not to do that. A group of friends, a chevra, a group of buddies, sat down to eat. Suddenly a bride or groom, or bride and groom came by. So they went out to greet them. Interrupting their meal, vacating their place. If they left, at least one old man or one sickly person who was not healthy enough to jump up and greet the bride and groom, the fact that there's one person, even sick or old, is enough to maintain the continuity of the meal. Then after they complete their greeting session. They can return to their place. No problem. They can complete their meal. They don't have to make a blessing again. Why? Because at least one person remained rooted to that spot. But if there was nobody left, as they go out, then the halacha kicks in as earlier. They need to first make a bracha, the grace after meals for that which they already ate. And when they go back, they have to start again. I believe an exception to the rule of eating in one house and finishing in another house would be if when one begins the meal, one had in mind that one was going to do that. That is a different ball game, I believe. Okay. Five. Hey. So also if there were a group of people who gathered together, and they were drinking, drinking buddies. us, or they were eating fruits and other delicacies. And then they changed their spot. They decide to go to the restaurant next door, to the eatery next door. They finished their eating. They have to do the grace after meals upon what they ate. To begin with, the best thing is you terminate one meal and then you start the next meal. However, if one changes one place, one's place from corner to corner in the same house, 
in the same room, let's say somebody's sitting on that end and they come over on this end, which happens a lot, the better neighborhood. He does not have to bench again. But, you know, today we talk in context of rooms. But once upon a time, they would eat under shady trees. So if somebody's sitting on one end of the room and they come to this end of the room, an important component in halacha kicks in. We had this in prayer. They see each other. And being that they see each other, they're in one room. They're in one area. But, if somebody was eating on the east side of the big, sprawling fig tree, now he comes on the west side of the fig tree, and you cannot see one from the other, because there's a tree in the middle, or there's a lot of branches in the middle. You're on the east side or the west side. Being that it's separate, even though it's two sides of a tree, then you would technically have to complete one meal and start another meal. Six. Let me give a a general introduction that when one has a meal which is centered around bread, as we learned earlier, the five grains, then everything consumed within the meal is included in the bread. But when one does not establish a meal around bread, then one would have to make blessings item by item as they come up. So now comes a very interesting halacha. Six, beta halapas. What if somebody said the bracha? Baruch Hashem olam. Hamotzi He made a blessing because he ate one of the five grains. He ate bread made from one of the five grains. Potar es haparperes sheichlan b'amapas. Then that bracha for hamotzi exempts any appetizers or any foods that were brought with the bread. You go to a restaurant, they bring you a bunch of different little plates. You got any more of these? You know, they're free. Give me some more of those, you know. (laughs) The bread covers, by and large, them all. Mimine hatafshil opedes ukayetzebahem. So it also includes the appetizers, cooked food or fruit, because you broke bread. Avol, however, what if somebody just made a blessing on the appetizers? Obviously, it does not include the bread, because the bread is the mainstay of the meal. You have to make the bracha for the bread. Sometimes you'll, you'll walk into a, an eatery, and they'll have stuff sitting on the table. you start munching. Then they bring the bread. You've got to stop and wash and say uh, the bracha and, and, and do amotzi. We learned earlier about cooked grains. That if somebody made a blessing on the cooked grains, then it exempts the cooked food, assuming it was of the same blessing. But if he made a blessing on the cooked food, like it does not exempt 
They cook grains because grains, we learned, are of greater importance. And we have uh, some, some complex laws here. There are various interpretations to this law. Seven, gomar belibay. What if somebody made a decision that he's finished? He said to himself, I'm done eating. I'm done eating. I'm malicious. I'm done drinking. And then he says, well, maybe not. Nimlach, he changed his mind. Lecha, he's going to continue eating. Melishtas, continue drinking. Even though he didn't change his place, as we learned earlier, that was an act that mandates ending one sitting and beginning another. But here he's sitting in the same place. What happened here? He just mentally decided to stop eating. That's important. That counts. Then he should bless, make a blessing again. Why? Because in his mind he says, I'm not having any more. And all of a sudden they bring more and he says, never mind, I'm having more. So in his mind, the first blessing expired. But if he didn't conclude in his heart that he's finished, but he wants to go back and have more. Even if he stopped for the whole day, he doesn't have to make the blessing again, which, of course, the commentaries explain here, should not be taken literally, because we learned about if the food digests, it's a problem. So it's an expression of exaggeration, even if a whole day went by. But it's obviously not enough time where the food digested and he's left without <coughs> the food digesting. That presents a whole, bro- a whole problem for the bracha. Eight, ches. What if there were people gathered together drinking? And they said collectively, not one guy said, but collectively they said, let's do grace after meals, let's bench. Or this scenario is they were sitting Friday afternoon. And as if you sit Friday afternoon as the day wanes and Shabbos is approaching, you cannot continue to eat. You have to make Kiddush invoking the Shabbos even though you didn't daven yet. It's called Pores, uh, Mapa Umakadish. You spread up forth a, a tablecloth and you make Kiddush. So if somebody said, Bo'u Unikadish Kiddush Hayom, let's make Kiddush. Being that somebody made that declaration, because if nobody made the declaration, it's still early enough to keep eating. But if somebody made the declaration, then they can no longer, if it was a declaration made on behalf of everybody, if everybody consented, then they can no longer eat in that sitting with the same brocha. But if they want to, if this fellow or they want to continue to eat, I'm sorry, to drink, before they make this new blessing or before they do the Kiddush, even though they're not allowed to because it's getting late. In the case where it's late, we're not asking you whether we're allowed to or not. The question is, do we have to make a bracha? We have to make a bracha, and then they can drink. Why? Because the declaration, the group declaration of let's do grace after meals or let's do the kiddush terminated the first sitting. 
However, if it's Saturday evening, Shabbat afternoon, and they said, let's make Abdullah, it's getting late. They do not have to make a blessing again, because the Kiddush is a much greater act than the Abdullah, and the fact that they said, let's make Abdullah, does not preclude them from continuing to eat if they're still in that meal, or still in that drinking session. Nine, what if people are gathered to drink wine? And in the Rambam's culture, there was a lot of drinking of wine. They're drinking one, one kind of wine. They're drinking white wine. And suddenly somebody brings red wine. They're drinking dry wine. Somebody brings sweet wine. The example he gives is they were drinking red wine. They brought black wine. Or they were drinking old wine. They brought new wine. It is so radically different, one might think that one has to make a new blessing. It's a different wine. Says the Rambam, no. Wine is wine. And you do not have to make another bracha. Ava, but if they brought a particularly aromatic wine, or if they brought a particular, not aromatic, if they brought a particular good wine, a high-quality wine, then they make a bracha, hatov, hametiv, thanking God for bringing wonderful things into his world, which you make on wonderful, wonderful things. And uh, again, this is a separate set of halacha, when you make that bracha, when you don't make that bracha, so on. Ten. Ein mevorchen al eichel min kolo acholin the rule is, we should never make a blessing on any food or any drink until it's sitting before us. In fact, the, the custom is it's sitting before you. You pick it up in your right hand and you say a bracha. You don't make a bracha believing it's going to come. What if he did? Made a bracha. And only then, after he finished the bracha, was it brought before him. And the bracha was not made while the food was there. Then there is an opinion that says, and this is the opinion that the Rambam brings down, Sarach Lazar, the Vodach, has to make another bracha. Others say no. What if he took some food and made a bracha, and at that moment, it fell from his hand, and got burned, let's say, in the fireplace. So the food he made a blessing on is gone. He dropped it in the river. The L.A. River. He takes other food. He has to make a bracha again. Even though it's the same species, because the first food is gone. We learned earlier that there is a custom that when we make a bracha, which was unnecessary to make, we should say, Blessed be the name of him whose glorious kingdom is forever and ever. That sort of is a statement that 
explains the unnecessary bracha and kind of softens it. So we have to make the Baruch Shem for the first bracha, in order not to mention God's name unnecessarily. By making that statement, he says, I mentioned God's name in order to glorify him. Now, the question is, can a person stand over flowing stream of water and make a blessing and drink? Because while he's making the blessing, the water he made the blessing for is long gone. By the time he finishes the blessing, there's no water there. He says, that's no problem. Even though it's not the same water, because to begin with, when he made the blessing, his intent was that when he finishes the blessing, he's going to drink the water that's by his lips at that moment. Anything that is brought by the server within the meal, and they are part of the meal, because of the meal, do not need a blessing before them or after them. Why? Because the blessing was made. It's for the meal. The blessing of Amotzi, which is before the meal, and the grace after meals. At the end of the meal, takes care of everything. Because everything else is secondary to the meal. That's why we make the hamotzi. That's why we make the birchat hamazon. What if there's stuff that's not really part of the meal? That come in the meal. Such as a special fruit to refresh the palate. Or uh, food or... There could be stuff in the meal that's not part of the eating, but it's part of the ambiance. They're not machmasasuda. I'll just read a note here. This refers to fruits and the like, which are not satisfying food and are also eaten throughout the day, frequently outside the context of a meal. But at time within the con- at times within the context of a meal, which indicates that they're not necessarily connected with the meal and therefore may not be included in the blessing of Amotzi. So therefore, to unim bracha they require a bracha before them, but not afterwards. Why? Because the after blessing of the general birchat hamazon is going to include that. But Stuff that comes after the meal, such as in our world, when they serve desserts. We should, according to most opinions, make a blessing for the dessert. The meal is over, and now you're having dessert. Whether it's part of the meal or not part of the meal, but it's after the meal. They need a separate blessing. The after blessing he says here, has to be made because once upon a time they would totally end the meal and therefore there's an argument that says it requires an after-blessing as well. By and large, in our culture, I believe we do for dessert the, the before-blessing, but the after-blessing is contained in the general, is included in the general birchat And again, there are many different 
applications of these halachot. Twelve. When it's customary to drink wine before the meal. For example, in our culture, what do we do? We start with Kiddush. What do we make? Borei Priyagofer. Or in their culture, Besudas Hakozas Dam, when people used to do bloodletting, so it was customary to drink wine to get your strength back. Or Or the Rambam writes, when you come out of a steam bath, it's customary to drink some wine to refresh yourself. Whatever the culture is. Where people drink wine. So he just begins this setting by making a bracha on wine. Now what happens if then it's followed by a meal? And in the meal they bring wine. Does he still have to make a bracha for wine? Now if he didn't start his meal with wine, for sure, when they bring you wine in the meal, you have to make a bracha. Wine is chashuv, wine is very venerable, important. But here he just made the blessing before the meal for the wine. I'm sorry. If he made the blessing for the wine before the meal, then he ex- exempts the wine that he drank also after the meal. As long as it is, before the grace after meals. So practically speaking, if we make Borei Priyagofen, let's say we make Kiddush, and then you bring wine, they bring you wine in the meal, after the meal, as long as it's before the grace after meals, you don't have to make another bracha if you made the first bracha. Aval Bishar Ayomim, but that is when there's an organized, ordained meal for a specific purpose. But just like this, if you happen to sit down and have some wine and then you have your meal, but it's not clear that this is a meal... And then they happen to bring wine after the meal, which was not necessarily a planned meal, then you have to make a brach. In general, when, when wine is brought during the meal, one would think that you can have one person make the bracha and everybody say, oh, man, and have it. He says it's a problem. Because while everybody's chewing, they can't really respectfully answer Omen and fulfill their obligation. And clearly, this does not exempt the wine after the meal. And that is the end of chapter 4 of Blessings.